What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 120, and we are recording this on Thursday, September 28th, just before 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the West Coast. My name is Kyle Betts. Thank you so much for listening. Glad to have you. I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Brevin Honda, and today we're getting in a lot of sports. I mean, so much has gone down the past week. We got the MLB season, uh, regular season that is, winding down right now. Uh, the NFL season really in full swing. We're, we're approaching uh, 25% or a, a quarter way through the year. So uh, it's crazy to see uh, how really all this has unfolded. And Brevin, uh, September really seemed like it flew by. Yeah, it's hard to believe that we're already here. Sunday was the final regular season home game for the Potteries, which I attended. It felt like... <laughs> Getting to that point was <laughs> going to take a long time when we were when we were at the beginning of the season in late March, early April. But yeah, it's just been such a fun baseball season. Even though the Padres didn't perform to their expectations, they still have a chance to finish over 500 as they begin the series um, in Chicago against the White Sox. But yeah, it's hard to believe that we're already here at the end of September. Sunday is going to mark October 1st, so. We're going to be seeing playoff baseball right around the corner. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, just to see, you know, like you mentioned, the progression of a team like the Padres, even through the course of this year alone, just really puts things into perspective. And uh, we're excited for that October baseball and uh, the postseason in MLB. But uh, before we get to that, uh, we're going to break all that down. We're going to talk some Padres as well. Let's get into the fast five. And we have five points to break down here. And uh, we always cover this. And it's uh, top topics over the past week in sports that have been trending. And the top trending story really maybe in the whole entire country, Brevin, has been Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, Taylor Swift attends the Chiefs' home game against the Bears on Sunday, last Sunday, that is. And it was quite the game for her to attend. The Chiefs scored 41 points. They won 41 to 10. Uh, great home win in, in front of the crowd. And Travis Kelsey, of course, uh, as always, you know, he scores a touchdown. And uh, Taylor Swift is up in uh, a suite celebrating next to his mom. And uh, afterwards, they went out to, to a dinner at a restaurant that Kelsey bought out for uh, them and his teammates as well. And so uh, this has been uh, quite the development here, Brevin. Yeah, it's been, can't believe how much popularity it's getting, especially for the, for the, especially for the Swifties when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, front office sports, they put out a tweet on Tuesday showing the impact of, of Taylor Swift being at the game. There was a 400% spike in Travis Kelsey jersey sales. Uh, Kelsey's podcast, New Heights, who we've talked about um, recently, ranks number one overall on Apple. Travis Kelsey also added 383,000 Instagram followers. Um, that Bears-Chiefs game was the number one game last week at 24.3 million viewers. Um, within that game, there was a 63% jump in female viewers ages 18 to 49. There was a 
the uh, three-time increase in it, quote-unquote, Chiefs searches on the web. There was also a three-time increase in Chiefs sales on StubHub. And the Chiefs sold more tickets in a single day since the start of the season. Yeah, uh, Taylor Swift is taking over the world. And football has come right along with that. You know, it's probably the most thing uh, involved with uh, Taylor Swift right now, talking about, you know, Travis Kelsey, Bird Ballman uh, in attending not only last week's Chiefs game, but she's going to be at the next one this upcoming weekend as well, Revan. I mean, she's just continuing to make headlines. They were seeing each other privately for some time, at least in my understanding. Now with everything going public, you know, a lot of people could see this as a distraction, but no, not at all. Travis Kelsey scores and they win by 31 points. So yeah. what's going to happen this week? They're probably going to win again by a lot. <laughs> and two on top of it, Kyle, it's Sunday night football at the New York Jets. Yeah, that is going to get, that's going to get extensive coverage everywhere. And uh, that's going to be quite the game. And uh, yeah, Taylor Swift is uh, definitely changing everything right now, really. I wonder when the last time Entertainment Tonight had to submit press credentials for an NFL game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And also, too, going along with that, my question is, I wonder when is the last time Entertainment Tonight didn't have a segment on Taylor Swift in one of their shows? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Entertainment Tonight, Today, uh, The Today Show, any entertainment-related show you can think of. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in a a sense, you know, Taylor Swift really... Because, I mean, if you go on Instagram and, and you look how many people follow the NFL, uh, there's a large discrepancy between that account and Taylor Swift's account. So, so Taylor Swift has a worldwide influence, and now a lot more people know about Travis Kelsey. And Revan, to me, that's really weird to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty um, hard to believe. Um what what's happened all right let's move on to point number two here on the fast five we're going to get to mlb hall of famer brooks robinson the unfortunate news coming out of his camp um robinson passed away on tuesday at the age of 86 a very very well lived life and uh, he was fantastic for the orioles i believe he brought them two world series championships he was, what, uh, a 16 or 17-time gold glover, Brevin? 16 straight. I mean, just 16 straight. I mean, just an outstanding career and an outstanding life as well. And uh, he will definitely be missed, and his influence obviously will stick around for quite some time. Uh, he, he is definitely a... Yeah, 23 years in the big leagues, all with the Baltimore Orioles, named Mr. Oriole for that particular reason. You mentioned the two World Series was the 1970 World Series MVP, 18 All-Stars, all 16 of his gold gloves coming um, in consecutive years from 1960 to 1975. It was just um, the way he was able to play defense. It's kind of like the way 
we're seeing today with the way both Nolan Arenado and Manny Machado play defense today, uh, you know, in this generation, you know, you combine those two and you get Brooks Robinson, even though Nolan Arenado's 110 compared to Machado, you know, it's um, the way both of those play defense, you know, you pretty much get Brooks Robinson um, of that level. And so to see, it's tough to see that type of a player go. Brooks Robinson, part of the all-century team, in 1999 at third base as well when um players in the 1900s were honored during that 1999 all-star game um at Fenway Park um you know it's set to see um and too knowing that this Orioles team they honored Brooks Robinson you know pretty much this time last year right yeah I mean great to see him get his flowers and uh yeah, he, he will definitely be missed, like I mentioned, such a legend. And, uh, you know, like you said, his influence will definitely stick around forever. I mean, you mentioned, you know, those great defensive third basemen that have come through this league, um, not only in the modern day, but those even before them, learning from the greats like Brooks Robinson. Uh, really incredible to see how his career and life unfolded. All right, let's move on now to number three. And we're going to get to a topic we've kind of been following over the course of these past few weeks. And now it is officially here. The Ryder Cup starting tomorrow. Morning foursomes were uh, just announced. And Brevin, you've been covering this. You've been all all over it. Yeah, it's going to be a fun uh, weekend at Marco Simone Golf and Country uh, Country Club in Rome. Italy, Team Europe versus Team USA. We've talked about the teams before over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it should be a really great time here. Um, morning foursomes playing pretty much best ball is kind of like the another way to call foursomes. Uh, first match, teen off at 7.35 a.m. This is uh, Pacific time, so um, you get... Um, those are local times. So pretty much these are um, going to be played during the night here on the West Coast. You're going to get John Rahm and Tyrell Hatton going up against Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. So Team USA kicking off with its first play with world number one, Scotty Scheffler in match two. You get Victor Hovland, who nailed a hole-in-one on a par four today during the practice round. He's going to be teaming up with one of the best up-and-coming players in Ludwig Aberg. They're both of them are going to be going up against Max Homa and Brian Harmon. Uh, match three, you get Sepp Straka and Shane Lowry. They're going up against uh, Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa. And then in match four, probably the best match of the morning, you get Maury McElroy and Tommy Fleetwood going up against Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. That that one definitely stands out. Uh, uh, some early mornings here, Brevin, and uh, which you're going to have to wake up and catch this action here, really. But I mean, it's going to be all worth it. So, some great competition ahead. Uh, any, any predictions ahead of this? Yeah, this is actually going to be, I think, really a, a really close Ryder Cup. You know, it's not going to be like we saw two years ago at Whistling Straits where the U.S. dominated and won 19-9. You know, this this is a U.S. team that 
hasn't won a Ryder Cup in Europe in 30 years. So there's a, it's a tall task. Can the U.S. do it? Of course they can. Is it going to be challenging? Of course it will. I mean, yeah, you got Scotty Scheffler world number one, but then Team Europe, they got Rob McElroy and Hovland, who are two, three, and four on that official world golf ranking. But luckily, you get uh, Homer right there, Cantley's right there, Shoffley's right there, um, right behind them. So, you know, it's going to be an exhilarating next three days of golf um, beginning tomorrow morning. Definitely, we will bring you a little bit of a recap next week. We'll let you know the winner, and uh, we'll preview what's next in golf as well. All right, let's move on now to the WNBA playoffs. And Revan, last week we gave an update talking about update talking about how we had some great series coming into uh, the semifinals, and that's exactly what we've seen so far. Uh, two series going on right now, still continuing. Uh, you got the Liberty facing the Sun and also the Aces taking on the Wings. So those two series happening right now in the WNBA semifinals in the playoffs. We got one-to-one tied right now, that series between the Liberty and Sun. And the Aces lead the Wings 2 nothing in that respective series. Both uh, matchups set to happen tomorrow, the next matchups between you know, these four teams are all going to happen tomorrow. So game three between all these teams set to take part tomorrow. Revan, what's been your impression of this postseason so far? Yeah, it's been just a really great um, WNBA playoffs. Obviously, it's come down to the top four seeds competing to, for two spots in the finals. You've seen Asia Wilson and how good she's been. You saw Chelsea Gray step up in game two. You're seeing a real great battle between the Liberty and the Sun, the top two MVP boat getters um, for both the Liberty and the Sun with Brianna Stewart receiving MVP honors. Um, you know, it's just been a really great two series to watch, especially as a precursor ahead of um, the NBA or the WNBA finals that get underway um, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. We are going to continue to keep track of what's happening in this postseason. We'll let you know who ultimately uh, will come close to making it next week. Um, obviously, plenty of games still to come in this postseason, but I think we'll have a much better idea of what's to come when we speak next time. All right, let's move on now to number five. And Revan, uh, some might consider this the biggest news of the week here coming out of the NBA, some off-season news involving a huge trade, three teams taking part in this. Sources on Wednesday said that the Milwaukee Bucks acquired guard Damian Lillard in a three-team trade, so the Bucks taking Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers. In return, the Trailblazers will get Drew Holiday, and they will also receive DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, a 2029 unprotected Milwaukee Bucks first round pick, and unprotected Bucks swap rights in 2028 and 30. So obviously the third team in this is the Suns. Phoenix, a part of this deal, they're getting Trailblazer Center Yusuf Nurkic. They're also picking up Grayson Allen. Nasir Little and Keon Johnson. So the Suns getting plenty of depth here as well. 
but shipping away their uh, first uh, first overall pick man from just a few years ago. Uh, Brevin, what do you think about this trade, and how crazy is it going to see Dame in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, well, definitely a, a, a shift in the balance of power, first off, between both conferences. Um, it definitely puts um, Portland in, for sure, rebuilding mode um, and trying to build that depth that they've got um, in terms of when you look at Phoenix. You know, they've had discussions about trading away DeAndre Ayton. They do that here. Um, and they get maybe you could say a cheaper option in use of Nurkic, um, as well. And it's in a Suns team that's trying to get back to the finals to, from when they were there two years ago. And then when you look at a team like Milwaukee, when they acquired Damian Lillard, you pair him with, um, a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, it's something that, um, uh, tells you that you're pretty much putting all your chips in the, all your chips to the middle and trying to go after a world championship. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, this definitely kind of shifts the power. Like you mentioned, you see Giannis teaming up with Dane. That's going to be an absolute powerhouse up there in Milwaukee. But then you think about the other pieces of this trade, you know, the Suns, they get a lot of depth here. Like I talked about the Blazers, they're trying to build around their young core of tree, their young core of uh, those trio guards. Scoot Henderson recently taken um, very high in the recent draft. So you see this team go ahead and uh, they're trying to cash in on on their youth. Portland is here really. So uh, yeah, definitely interesting to see how this all unfolded. But I, I think really this is just the biggest news of the week because we all thought Damian Lillard was going to end up on a team like Miami. That's not the case. Now he's in Milwaukee. Yeah, especially when we also heard that Toronto was in the mix a little bit. And um, here, as this comes in late September, his training camp has begun for some teams as well. And so now these teams have to kind of shift a little bit of their training camp process of, um, you know, getting used to these new players that they're getting for all three teams and um, playing with them before the NBA season starts really next month at the end of the month, at the end of next month. Yeah, no doubt about that. We're going to see how that all unfolds with the shift in these rosters now looking completely different for three of these teams involved in this massive trade. All right, let's move on now to some baseball. Let's talk some MLB. And we got some news coming out of the NL West. And it involves the Los Angeles Dodgers here. Their all-star first baseman, Freddie Freeman, now continuing to make some history. He is the first first baseman in AL or NL history to collect 200 hits, 20 home runs, and 20 steals in one season. So Freeman going ahead and just proving his worth once again. Um, in a Dodgers uniform, he is completely showing that he can do it wherever, whenever. And he's proven that he is the best in the game. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing to see what Freddie Freeman's been able to do this year. You mentioned collecting 200 hits, you know, the 20 homers, the steals, approaching 60 stole, 60 doubles as well this year with 
28 home runs. It's been um, just amazing to see what he's been able to do pretty much with the bat as a, you could really pretty much say a hitter um, this year. 58 doubles this year, hitting 333 for the entire season. You know, just um, about 20 points behind Luis Arise for the batting crown. It's probably uh, out of sight for most likely out of reach for um, Freeman, but just just a big season for what Freeman's been able to do. 101 RBIs this year already, um, 72 walks, OBP over 400, um, OPS 979. It's those. That 979 is actually a lot uh, higher than what it's been the last two years. Yeah, those numbers are crazy. And we're going to talk about another player from the National League that's put up pretty crazy numbers himself this season. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But, yeah, Freddie Freeman making history once again. Great to see that. All right, let's get to our division races now in the MLB. And the most intriguing one right now, I would say, the American League West. And, Brevin, I would I would think you would agree with me here. We have three teams just battling it out, not only for a lead in that division, but also the wild card. Let's start with the team in first place right now. Two and a half games above the Astros as things stand are the Texas Rangers. 89 and 69 on the season. They've been fantastic the last few games. And uh, they've been surging when they needed it. And so uh, they're atop this division, followed by the Astros, like I mentioned, 87-72 and 72 record on the year. The Mariners, just a game and a half behind them. Right now, the Mariners have 85 wins on the season. Revan, what have you thought about uh, the recent surge here, really, just by this Rangers ball club? Yeah, this has been really key to watch. You know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, how – Difficult the pitching spin because they, um, you know, they didn't have Jacob DeGrom. They acquired Max Scherzer at the deadline. He got hurt in early September. They didn't know if he was going to be able to come back. Um, obviously he's going to come back most likely for the postseason, but not uh, for the run towards the postseason. And, but you see that offense start to come together. You know, we talked about Josh Young and Adolis Garcia last week and their ability and, what they provided that lineup. I mean, we talked about it last week, Dolis Garcia hunting 40 home runs this year, um, right in the heart. You got plenty of different players that are, um, really doing their part as well. You think about that middle and field with, um, with Corey Seager at shortstop, Marcus Simeon at second base. You know, it's just been, um, really good. You're seeing, um, you're seeing the benefits of a good trade with even a Roldis Chapman. Um, at the back end of that bullpen, um, as well. Yeah, definitely. That paying dividends for this Rangers ball club right now. Uh, we're gonna see if they close things out on top. I think that's the expectation right now for them. But let's move on now to Brevin. We've got a lot going on within our wild card standings as well. Because I mean, really, just over the course of the season, this has fluctuated. But now. Uh, we're getting a better idea of what's happening right now within our wildcard standings. So let's start with the American League. Let, let's stay there, and let's get into it. Obviously, 
The Tampa Bay Rays right now, they are just behind the Baltimore Orioles in the American League East. Despite that 10-game lead over the Astros right now, they already clinched. They're in the postseason. They're going to lock up. They have already locked up the number one wildcard bird there. So following them, we have the Toronto Blue Jays. Just a half game over the Astros right now. 87 wins themselves on the air. So obviously that is to monitor there. Just behind the Astros, obviously we mentioned it with the Mariners, a game and a half, they trail them by that much. So, uh, Brevin, what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, the Blue Jays, um, a tough task in, in the position that they're in right now, just a half game above them, as I mentioned, taking on the Yankees once again here uh, today. Um, what do you think is going to happen, really? Can, anything can really happen here. I mean, you mentioned Toronto, a half game up on Houston for that second card spot. You still got the Mariners there. Those are the three teams fine for two spots. Um, Tampa Bay, I think their elimination number is one for the American League East title um, over the Orioles. Um, so, obviously, uh, Tampa Bay loss or an Orioles win. Um, gives the O's that division crown and Tampa Bay will hope be that number one seed um, among the wild cards, the fourth overall seed in the American League playoffs. Um, you know, the way Toronto's played all season long, you know, they, the way John Schneider has controlled that team, you know, with, um, you know, those young stars of Vlad Jr. and, um, you got Kevin Biggio there. Boba sheds back as well, which has been huge. Um, you know, and then you mix the veterans in, you know, Kevin Kiermeyer, Whit Merrifield, that starting rotation when you got Jose Barrios, um, Hundred Ryu's back as well. So, um, you know, this is the right time, you know, even though Toronto's lost their last few games, you're seeing how important um, you know, it is when they get back some of the pieces that have been hurt. Um, over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, Blue Jays have looked really good. I think you're totally right. And I think that expectation is for them to come out on top. I mean, still, even just a half game right now at this point, such a big advantage, even despite how small it really is. So we're going to see if they pull it off. We'll continue to follow the AL. We'll let you know what happens during our next episode. Let's get to the NL, though, uh, because this I would say equally as interesting when you think about the National League, how close things have been throughout the season. That follows here. We got the Phillies. They've already locked up the number one wildcard spot out of the NL East right now. Seven games above the third wildcard spot as things stand. So they have locked that thing up completely right now. Second place, or I should say second, the team with the second wildcard berth right now the Arizona Diamondbacks right now, 84 wins, 75 losses for them. They are just a game and a half above the Miami Marlins and the Chicago Cubs. Same record between both of those teams, 82 and 76 on the year. It's going to come down to really a run difference at this point between those two teams if they're all tied because they are neck and neck right now. So very competitive there. Behind them, you got the Cincinnati Reds. They are a game and a half behind both of those teams. 81 and 78 on the season. They've been fighting throughout the course of the year. 
they're trying to get in. And guess what? Who's there? The San Diego Padres, just behind them, 79 and 80 record on the year, three and a half games behind all those teams. They need a lot of things to happen if they're going to make it, but uh, it's still possible. It's, it's not impossible is the point. So with that being said, Brevin, uh, what do you think about this race right now? Really, it's closer than we've seen, I think, in quite some time, and, and it's between teams that you never would have thought. Yeah, it's like where we were, I think, a few weeks ago when uh, I think it was Arizona, Chicago, Miami, and Cincinnati were all tied at the same record, I think it was. And so we're pretty much right back there again, um, sort of. I mean, when you mentioned Arizona, a game and a half up on both Chicago and Miami, and then Cincinnati's a game and a half back of the Cubs and the Marlins. And the Padres, they're still... There's still a chance for them to be able to um, have a chance. You know, today the Padres have the off day, but they're still hoping for uh, the Cubs to lose to Atlanta um, and the Mets to defeat the Marlins. Uh, Yeah. Let's see. The two ways the Padres can make the playoffs based on the uh, National League tie-breaking scenarios among these five teams. Um. Both these um, include the D-backs clinching the second wild card spot. Um, but if there is a four-way tie for that final wild card spot between the Cubs, the Marlins, the Reds, and the Padres, the Padres get that nod huh. over those three teams, the Marlins, the Cubs, and the Reds. And then the other scenario, in terms of tiebreak scenario, would be... Um, um, uh, would be a three-way tie between the Cubs, the Marlins, and the Padres for that final wild card spot, which means the D-backs and the Padres would get in, and then the Marlins, the Cubs, and the Reds would be out. Wow! So the Padres have to sweep, uh, when they're taking on the White Sox this weekend in order to have any chance of. Getting in, you're hoping the Cubs lose three games. You're hoping Miami lose three games. I think Cincinnati, you're hoping, loses all but one game. I think it is. Yeah, that's not impossible, like you said. Um, They're right in the thick of things, the Padres are, and they need to continue to take care of business, but definitely possible because, like you mentioned, the White Sox, not very uh, good. 61 and 98 record on the air. Um, the Padres looking for a sweep here. We'll see if they can do it. Yeah, the top four seeds in the National League for the playoffs have already been uh, they've been finalized already. You've got the Braves. They're going to be the number one seed winning 102 games this year. The Dodgers are the number two seed at 98-60 so far this year. And then you got the Brewers who won the NL Central at 89-69. and 69. The First wild card team is going to be the Philadelphia Phillies at 89 and 69. So the battle will be for the final two spots this weekend uh, before postseason play starts. Yeah, going to be super competitive, like you mentioned, Brevin. We're going to continue to follow that. We'll bring you the latest as soon as we record our next episode. By that point, we'll know who is in the postseason. It's going to be exciting. We'll bring it all to you next week. 
All right, let's get to our fair or foul segment of the week. Once again, we are doing our three up, three down segment. And we got some pretty good options this week, I think, Brevin. Uh, let's start with you here. And we'll let you take it away with your first point on your three up. Yeah, I'm going to take the Atlanta Braves here. I mean, just mentioned 106 wins. They've hit more than 300 home runs this year as a team, which is um, which is the most since the 2019 Yankees and the 2019 Twins, um, who did it both those years. And a big part of what this team has done, you know, we talk about bringing the stolen base back this year because of the um the new roles here in 2023 and you see ronald acuna jr making history day after day he became the first 40 home run 40 stolen base player since 2006 when he hit his 40th home run last week um he's the first to reach that 40 40 mark since alfonso soriano um in 2006 and then yesterday we see him become the first player. Obviously, he became the first player with a 40-60 season. Now the first player with a 40-70 season. It's out of this world, but Ronald Acuna, doing, Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing this season. It's, I think, finally a baseball season where we finally get to really mix all five tools of a player. We really get the opportunity to do that. The arm, the bat, the legs, the speed, the you know, all five tools of a player. We get to see that. Um this season, really, you know, as much as we can, you know, we get to see a lot more um, because of the stolen base and Ronald Acuna Jr. is really taking, really doing that, and probably the the front runner for the MVP in the National League. Yeah, I think you're right, no doubt about that. And he's been proving his worth throughout the year. He is also my first point on my three up. Revin, you said it completely. He is just proving himself week in and week out, and he's making it look easy out there. And I think there comes to a point where you continue to do that throughout your career. Um, it's going to be in a special place. And especially that team, the Braves, being so young but also so talented, he's going to be leading that core for years to come. And I'm excited to see what he is able to do. Just an outstanding year for Ronald Acuna Jr. And that's going to continue in this postseason. All right. Next up for me that we just talked about give me the texas rangers you know you always want to be a team that wants to finish strong heading into postseason play the rangers have definitely done that over the last seven games um you know winning was it they've won um seven of their last 10 to get back into the that division lead where they were you know just a few weeks ago and um you know we just talked about it with Dolis garcia josh john Corey seager all those different players and you think about having a veteran manager and Bruce Bochy, that's why you that's why Chris Young brought him in to that team. You know, it's a big reason why this Rangers team is has returned to being in first place. And so I got the Rangers here, just talked a lot about them uh within our when we talked about this AOS and the AL wildcard race. Definitely, yeah. This wildcard race really heating up here, Brevin. And I'm totally with you on that. I'm completely buying into that. And part of, you know, this postseason, teams trying to buy for a spot, the Rays have completely done that. We already talked about it earlier here on the show. My second point here for my three up 
is going to be the Rays celebration. Brevin, did you hear about any of this? No. So they ultimately celebrated 10 days after clinching their postseason birth. Okay, let's see. How do they do that? <laughs> so the reason they did that is that they clinched the playoff berth on September 17th. They twice had the Orioles down to the last half yeah. with the Baltimore Warren of Lemon and Sacrifice Fly. Didn't matter because the Rangers lost that day assured them of no worse than a wild card spot. But rather than celebrate after a defeat, the Rays made plans to celebrate in Boston yesterday because they had an off day today, so they wanted to take advantage and uh, party a little hard for it. Oh, that's so smart by Kevin Cash. <laughs> Drink so, a little more. So there Drink you go. Little, yeah, have a little bit more time I to mean, rest in it for the off day. Exactly. I'm reading a story by the Associated Press uh, that, that was posted here on ESPN.com. And uh, Kevin Cash, race manager, is quoted in this story. He says, I know it's different. I just told the guys we're different. We're the race. Oh, it's <laughs> different. Yeah. And that's so different in a good way, too. Yep. Absolutely. You know, you think about even the payroll for this team, it's not like the Yankees not you know a big market team it's really a small market team that's being able to pick up players that um you know you can buy a little cheaper but still get that same amount of value compared to other top market players i mean you look at i think a big example that was the zach Eflin signing you know 16 and 8 this year and i think his contract was it eight million dollars i think it was um let me pull up the full contract. Yeah, three-year, $40 million deal. I mean, you get Max Scherzer getting paid $40 million just this season. And so when you see Zach Eflin getting paid three for 40, and you see him go 16 and eight, you know, that's what the Rays are doing, and that's been their philosophy. And you see them going to the postseason year after year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Kevin Gash said it perfectly. That that team literally is built different. So, yeah, they're they're making a smart decision there. They're having their fun while doing that too at the same time, and they're all business. I think that's what's most important. So, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch here in the postseason as well. All right, uh, let's see. My final pick here, even though this team has been eliminated from postseason play. I'm going to take Garrett Cole here. Um, you talk about finishing strong. One of the players in that conversation for finishing strong, there's a lot of players that you could put in that conversation. But in terms of AL pitchers, how about the job that Garrett Cole has done from the New York Yankees? This year, 15-4, and 7.5-4, 263, 2.63 ERA and 33 starts. It's if there's anyone that held their bargain from that Yankees team this year, it was definitely Garrett Cole. And the way he finished, over 200 innings this year, over 200 Ks, um, you know, finished the year, as long as this pulls up, yeah, there we go. Finished the year um, over his last, what's that, 
seven starts, goes five and zero. When complete game two hit two hitter yesterday, complete game shutout, just struck out five, lowered that ERA to two point six three this year. It's just been um, just phenomenal to see what Garrett Cole has done. Definitely put him in that American League Cy Young conversation um, with his performance. He's got went eight innings in his last start in a. Uh, uh, 5-3 win over the Blue Jays. Um, so it's been great to see the way um, Garrett Cole has finished this year. Um, being able to get that ERA under 3 um, in 48 innings pitches allowed just 7 earned runs in an ERA of 1.29. Definitely. That's a great pick there. I'm going to go with today's Major League Baseball schedule for my last point here. Uh, it's another uh, big game, big six games here today. Uh, really today uh, on tap here, Brevin. Um, we got Red Sox taking on the Orioles. That's going to be a huge one here um, tonight. Yankees facing the Blue Jays. Obviously a lot going down for that game as well. Marlins taking on the Mets. You got Jesus Luzardo on the mound for the Marlins. Marcus Stroman uh, is representing the Cubs, taking on the Braves. Huge game in that one, Brevin. That's going to be at uh, 4.20 Pacific time. Big game in that competition. Uh, Rangers take on the Mariners. Another huge one. That one featuring Jordan Montgomery and Logan Gilbert. Uh, As good as it gets right there, Brevin. And so uh, plenty of games on tap here today uh, with so much meaning behind all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much still. There's so many playoff implications. You know, there's even draft position, um, you know, still in play here, you know, for every single team. Um, you know, that's right there, whether they're not, whether or not they're in, a, um, you know, a postseason spot right now or in the postseason hunt. Definitely. All right, we're going to move on to our three down now, Brevin. Uh, do you want to kick things off here with your first point? Yeah, I'm going to kick things off here. Uh, I'm going to kick things off with the Astros. You know, we talked about, just talked about the Rangers with how they've won seven of their last ten to get in the first place, um, finish the season strong. Astros have not done that as much. Remember, they, they were in first place just a couple, day, couple, couple weeks ago. And then you see Houston, you know, haven't played as much playing closer to 500 ball over the last 10 games a big part of that you know you think about you know relying on some of your bigger your better players to be able to carry you one of those players that really has done that has been Alex Bregman over those last 15 days the team has gone five and ten uh to seven uh five and ten has said just 130 going seven for 54 um just three RBIs, two homers, 14 walks, five Ks. Um, slugging just 241 in that span. Alex Bregman, you know, another top third baseman in this league. You know, it's been difficult um, just over the last few weeks for him. Um, so I've got Alex Bregman here, um, you know, struggling over the last 15 days, depending, uh, dating back to September 11th in a series that started against the Oakland A's. Absolutely. That's a great selection there, Revan. 
I'm going to choose another player here for my first point. And instead of a position player, though, this is going to be a pitcher. We're going to go with Jordan Romano. And uh, for the Blue Jays, you know, hasn't looked necessarily great when they've needed him to. When you really think about it, his last three appearances, two coming against the Rays in the past week, one against the Yankees. Um, he's allowed four runs over the course of that span, uh, four strikeouts as well. But um, he's seen his ERA rise from 2.4 to 2.95 within that span. And uh, you just want to see one of your best bullpen pitchers really improve before the postseason. And even as you're trying to compete for that wild card spot still to this point as well. I mean, this is just not what you want to see from your from one of your uh, closers here or guys who can fill in as a closer here, Brevin. 36 saves on the year, so uh, you, you definitely expect more out of them. Yeah, it's been really difficult to, you know, you it's just the life of a really a poser right there. You know, you're gonna get yeah. your good moments, you're gonna get your bad moments, but um, you're hoping that um, you're able to put together more good moments um as a closer. Yeah, I think he will. I mean, obviously, so much talent. Uh, he's shown it throughout his career. Uh, maybe just a little rough patch here, but uh, definitely want to see him improve in that area uh, as the Blue Jays try and continue to fight for that wild card spot. All right, Brevin, take it away. All right. For me, I'm going to go here with the Chicago Cubs since, and we talk about finishing the season Cubs have definitely not done that in games because since September 16th, this is per Optus stats, the Cubs have held a lead in seven different innings on the road in the eighth inning or later. They blew the lead in the bottom half in all seven of those games. No other MLB team in the modern era has blown the lead in more than five straight road innings in the eighth inning or later in which they've held a lead. Yeah. I mean, just crazy to see that the whole kind of sequence unfold with with the Cubs. I mean, you you, you expect more out of that team. Um, obviously, um, so much left in store that we have yet to look forward to as this wild card race continues to heat up here, Brevin. But that's another team where you're just like, man, um, they, they had more of an opportunity to kind of take care of business earlier. Um, now they're kind of stuck in a more uh, difficult position for sure. Those seven opportunities... So yeah. September 16th, uh, when they were in Arizona, they had a lead of 4-3 in the top of the 10th, a 5-4 lead in the 11th, and a 6-5 lead in the 13th. Went on to lose that game. On uh, September 26th, so on Tuesday, they had a 6-5 lead after the 8th. And then yesterday... Atlanta, uh, the Cubs had a 3-2 lead after the 8th and a 4-3 lead after the end of the ninth. This is all the top half because they're the road team. And a 5-4 lead at the end of the top of the 10th. Yeah. So seven different times the Cubs were leading in the top half late in the ball game, and cannot hold on for the win. That's astounding. Wow. Mm-hmm. Crazy. 
I mean, right. maybe you can blame this on the Cubs not really going after a, a closer at the deadline, maybe, but... <laughs> yeah. But still, I mean, that's just kind of like one of those stats where it's like, you know, kind of similar to the Padres. You're just like, man, yeah. just find a way to win. Mm-hmm. At least the Padres, they got their first uh, win in extra innings last night, so... <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> All right, Kyle, who's your last among your three down? Yeah, uh, I'm going to get to the Angels here. Uh, so the Angels, uh, obviously, uh, still uh, not in a favorable position here. 71 wins on the year. Uh, it, it's all continues to get worse. They've had uh, 66 different players on the roster this year, uh, which I believe ties a record uh, that was set back uh, last year or two years ago, I believe. And, uh, you know, in these past few series they've been involved in, they've been three and six. They've won only one game in the past three series. They've lost all past three series. So, uh, you know, just the on-the-field performance just continues to regress. Um, the stat I shared about, you know, how many different players have been on the roster, you know, that that's kind of indicative of that. But regardless, there's still plenty of talent left on this roster. Um, at the same time, a lot of it is not on that roster because of injury. We'll touch on that just a little bit later as well. But I got the angles for one of my three down points here. I'm going to conclude here with the Boston Red Sox. They've won, they've won just two games in the last 10. Kyle, from that number... Guess how many wins the the Red Sox have in their last twenty games? Probably five, four, four. Okay, <laughs> and then guess how many wins they have in their last thirty games? Thirty games, probably six, eight. Okay, more than so that's I how bad it's been going for the Red Sox right now. Um, yeah, obviously, we talked about them over the last two weeks. It's just been. Um, just a difficult stretch, um, right here. Um, uh, you know, we, this really could have been a Red Sox team that could have finished at least at 500, um, by the end of the season, but they just couldn't be able to finish on a high note. And, uh, you know, it's tough to see, but, um, you know, I know this Red Sox team, they'll be back in contention for sure next year. Yeah, no doubt about that. They always are. They always seem to find a way back. Even, the year after they have a bad year, I think they're totally right. Mm-hmm. So another great selection there. All right, let's move on now to Padres. And let's get to what we got going on with them in San Diego. And uh, Manny Machado, some news going around him about his elbow. Uh, he actually went through tennis elbow. And so as a result, he's got to get some surgery to treat that. That is going to occur after the season. Revan, any word on how long the recovery is going to take? Um, This was something we didn't get to last week. I think the surgery is supposed to last anywhere from five to seven months. So hopefully mm-hmm. he's ready to play. Let's see. That would be October, November, December, January, February would be five months. And then April would be seven. So Hopefully he's ready for spring training, depending on the surgery. So, um, yo, once he, I don't, I think the surgery is going to take place either after a season or once the parties were 
out of the postseason picture. So he's still because the Padres are still playing. There's still a possibility that you know he's still playing. So surgery continues to wait another day. But you saw him get a big hit last night, a big two-run single, bloop single into a big center field in the outfield at Oracle Park that propelled the Padres to a 5-2 win to get their first extra innings win of 2023. Wow. That's great. It only took them 13 chances to win an extra inning game. Yeah. Well, it took them that long, but they, they found the better than they needed. Only, mm-hmm. only when your season's on the line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, another player that has stepped up pretty much this whole entire month of September has been Juan Soto. Yeah. Um, just eclipsed 35 home runs, um, getting close to 110 RBIs, which would both be new career season highs um, for Juan Soto. Let me pull up how he's done um, in the past, um, pretty much the past month. Um, but Kyle, what have you seen from Juan Soto as I pull up his stats? Yeah, he's been fantastic. I think not only, you know, just at the plate, but I think with his glove, I think, you know, he, he's really proving to be the guy, you know, on a consistent basis, you, you know, proving himself why he's been worthy of that trade that San Diego went ahead and acquired him, uh, why they gave him so much to get him. I mean, really, that that's all it comes down to. He's living proof that uh, that that is possible to, to show that he is living true to, you know, the full extent of his potential. That's going to continue here for him. He's still so young, really, and he's going to continue to get better even as time goes on. And, you know, he hasn't had necessarily the best start in San Diego, um, but when he continues to reach that consistent level of play at both ends, that that's what's important, I think, for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Juan Soto, in the last 16 games, the Pirates have gone 12-4. and four. He's hitting 417. OBP wow. of 500, uh, seven home runs, 23 RBIs, 11 walks, two via the intentional, uh, just eight strikeouts, four doubles, 25 hits, 17 runs scored, um, one sack fly, just continuing to play um, and having a stellar finish to his season, you know, is, I think, I can't remember what his on base streak is, but it's pretty high um, right now. Yeah. Uh, all right. Another player I want to get to is Padres starting pitcher Seth Lugo. Um, yep. I think Seth Lugo has really had an underrated year. Um, you know, really, when you think about it, um, you know, no one expected him to. You know, especially coming from the Mets, where he was coming more out of the pen. He wanted to be a starting pitcher this year. He he definitely deserved that um, here in 2023 as he was able to um, put together that type of a season that he had, go 500 in his record, and um, just pitch really well. Um, you know, even in his last, I think it was five Six starts, you know, he's pitched really well. Uh, even yesterday, even when he pitched two days ago, um, one out away from a complete game, two hitter, I think it was, or something like that. And um, 
eight and two thirds, three hits, um, three walks, seven Ks, uh, about a mid three ERA. You know, definitely, um, definitely a good final outing. Uh, for Seth Lugo does have a player option for next year, seven and a half million. I highly doubt that he's gonna take that because he probably knows that he's worth more than seven and a half million dollars next year. Knowing yeah. that he's going to be a starting pitcher, going to want at least, uh, who knows, twelve, fifteen million dollars next year. So, yeah. um, you know, such a great year for Seth Lugo, being able to prove to himself, prove to those around him that he really can be a starting pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're totally right. He's taken a step forward. I think since he arrived in San Diego, and I think you encapsulated that really well. All right, let's move on to the Angels, and, and not too much going on this week. I mentioned their struggles on the field. The biggest thing that happened off the field really was Mike Trout. He actually spoke to the media for the first time in a while, uh, officially shut down for the season, dealing with that handmade bone fracture. He came back for one game back, I believe, last month, late late last month, and uh, just could not deal with the pain, uh, was placed back on the L, and ultimately uh, he's been shut down. So with that being said, he spoke on the season and his future as well. And a uh, pretty interesting uh, takeaway from this uh, was how hard this has been on Trout. You know, just dealing with his injury revving, uh kind of trying to rush back and uh, get back to playing the game that he loves. But at the same time, um it, it came at a cost because not only, you know, is he thinking that he costs himself, but also his teammates. And uh, he said uh, he just wants to be out there and the injuries just suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, especially when you think about everything Mike Trout has done, it's been difficult over the last few years, the injuries that have started to come his way. Um, but I mean, Mike Trout knows that he wants to be there, wants to be on that field. He still has, I think seven more years on that deal that he, that he signed. And so um, Mike Trout, you wants to do his best to try and finish out those seven years, however long, um, you know, for however long that's going to take those seven years. Yeah. And, you know, trade rumors flying around uh, that the angels potentially could deal him. He does have a no trade clause as well, Brevin. So, uh, you know, this is pretty interesting here because that report recently coming out that they are willing to move Mike Trout, the Angels are, but uh, apparently he is uh, wanting to stay. Uh, it, it just comes down to if if he is open to being traded. You mentioned that contract, Brevin, 12 years, $426.5 million. Um, I think if you're the Angels, you want to hold on to that because it seems like Shohei Otani is on his way out. Um, you're already paying for Anthony Rendon. Um, obviously getting rid of Trout's contract would do a lot, but I think right now you, you need one of those leaders in that clubhouse who has so much talent, and, and there's no one comparable to Mike Trout, really, when, when he's playing at his best. And so we haven't been able to see that, really, in recent years because of injury, and that continues now. So with that being said here, Brevin, uh, Trout won't ask for a trade, at least it appears for now. He says, quote, I go through this every year. These are private conversations I have with the team. 
I've done the same thing I've done the last 13 years. Going into the offseason, clearing my mind, going into spring, wearing an Angels uniform. Mm-hmm. Kyle, do you think where, where, where Mike Trout is now with his career, no matter the stats that he puts up over the next seven years of that deal, let's say he remains with the Angels, do you say he's an automatic lock for the Hall of Fame, even if he puts up subpar numbers over the next seven years? Yeah, that's a good question. See, I I think so. You know, the assumption is, you know, that's not going to happen. He's still got some good years left, no doubt about that. We don't know how many, but the assumption is he's still got good years. Even if that doesn't happen, I still think yes. I mean, uh, he's a generational guy. Um, He's played that way since he's entered the league. So many uh, different honors and accolades to his name. Obviously, the ones that are missing are, are the biggest ones there. World Series champion, World Series MVP. Who knows if he's ever going to experience that. But regardless, still, his success, I think, still speaks volumes, and he's had a big influence on the game. Mm-hmm. Do you think, even though he hasn't won a gold glove, do you think that's still something that he'll want to achieve before his career is all said and done? Yeah, it's almost hard to think about. You know, he doesn't have a gold glove, and I think maybe it is. And, you know, his offense has always come, I think, pretty consistently. But that glove, uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, We've seen so many different flashes at the years, him leaping at the wall, taking back home runs. Um, I I think, yeah, that that might be something he wants to work on. Maybe his arm as well, Um, trying to get balls into the infield a lot quicker, seeing if he can uh, get guys out faster. I mean, really, that's all it comes down to, improving his technique, just trying to get better in every way possible. I, I think he's the guy to do that. So it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if he wins within the next couple of years a gold glove. And you think about some of those AL center fielders that he'd be going up against. You think about even his own league, you got even his own division, you got Julio Rodriguez, you got yeah. um but Cedric Mullins in that category in Baltimore. Um yeah. Byron Buxton, if he stays healthy. Yep. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's going to be the thing to watch, you know, especially in this offseason, especially years to come. We might try. Obviously, this was this weekend in baseball. This is the final homestand for Miguel Cabrera and his MLB career. Um, a battle that we saw between him and Trout through the years, especially in the early 2010s, fighting for MVPs left and right. Um, we obviously Miguel Cabrera last player to receive the triple crown. Um, yesterday was Terry Francona's final home game as a manager, uh, with the Cleveland Guardians. Um, and one more was Adam Wainwright is officially um done pitching. Not going to pitch anymore this season. Did get his two hundredth win. Uh, I think it was last week. So, uh, just a couple of. Three player, three people in baseball looking to um, finish twenty twenty three off positive. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm glad you brought that up. All great to hear those things. I mean, you, you mentioned it. All three big figures within baseball, and uh, they deserve all the success they've had. Hmm. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back. 
Let's see. We're going to talk some football. Uh, we're going to talk some football on the way back. Aaron Jones and Christian Watson are both active tonight for the uh, for the Packers. Um, David Montgomery's active for the Lions in a big NFC North battle tonight. Um, we're going to talk about um, how our fantasy football weeks have gone. This tell you it's not going the way I've expected to start things off. I'll just say that right now. But we're going to talk football um, in the second of our show. So, so stay tuned. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 120. We're recording this Thursday, September 28th, right around 4 o'clock in the afternoon here on the West Coast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Kyle Betts, joined by Brevin Honda. We broke down plenty of recent news within the past week in our Fast Five to kick things off this episode number 120. We also followed that up talking about baseball. We got into our MLB latest, got into our division races right now, including both wild card races really heating up as we enter the last weekend of the season, regular season that is. And we also got into our affair or foul segment, three up, three down. We gave our picks for that. Also talked some Padres and Angels. Now we're going to get into some NFL. We had a lot go down in week three. Uh, more injuries, really, uh, that was more notable than anything. Mike Williams, I think here, Brevin, the big news of last weekend, tearing his ACL, unfortunate injury for the L.A. Chargers wide receiver. Yeah, I was set to see, especially, you know, before that, he had caught a, a touchdown from his wide receiver mate, Keenan Allen. Right. Yeah. Uh just a tough injury there. Now you're going to see guys like Joshua Palmer, Quinton Johnston get more looks to replace Mike Williams as he recovers from the injury. Another injury that happened, this one a little more short-term. It seems like he has a chance of playing this week. Not entirely sure on his status yet, Brevin. Maybe you can fill me in on that. But Jimmy Garoppolo, he is uh, dealing with a concussion or he was dealing with concussion-like symptoms. Uh, earlier this week. Uh, Brevin, any update on him? I think he did practice today, so it's a good sign. Okay. Um, ahead of Sunday before they face um, the Chargers um, at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, so um, that'll obviously be a key to watch. Behind uh, Jimmy Garoppolo on the depth chart is Brian Hoyer, I think it is, and then the rookie they drafted in the fourth round, Aidan O'Connell who uh, went to Purdue. Right, right, yeah. So Jimmy Garoppolo seems like he will play this week against the Chargers. We'll see if he, in fact, does. But, yeah, the Chargers in that game favored by five. All right, let's move on now. Let's talk some Derek Carr, and let's get to him. And this this injury, you know, a little more confusing because there's not necessarily a timeline given here. It's just week to week, really, for him. He's in with a sprained AC joint in his shoulder. 
So we're going to have to see how he recovers from that. But right now, Janus Winston is a starter for the Saints forever. Yeah, it's kind of like your, I don't know if you call Janus Winston a 1B or a 2A, uh, because you also got Taysom Hill in that offense. But it's tough to see Derek Carr go down, especially for how well, how well he's been keeping that. Um, Saints team two and one so far through three games. So, um, you know, and then you had, you know, part of that included the Packers coming back to beat the Saints, uh, eighteen to seventeen. So, um, it's been difficult to see, but uh, hopefully, all three of these players can um come back stronger. Obviously, Mike Williams will be a little bit longer than the other two. Yeah, definitely. This is going to be quite the game, uh, quite quite the game this Sunday that is to see with this uh, New Orleans Saints team. No Derek Carr once again. Um, we're gonna to have to see how they come out performing against the Buccaneers. All right, Brevin, let's uh, get to our Week Four matchups here. Our top games of the week happening early in the morning on Sunday. Let's start with the Falcons. They're two and one right now. Might surprise a few people uh, with their record. They're taking on the one and two Jaguars. That's once again Sunday at six thirty a.m. Pacific time, and the reason for that that's going to be in London in the United Kingdom. The game to be played at Wembley Stadium. Revan, if I had to give a pick in this game, I'm going to take the Jaguars. Uh, this is essentially an international home game for them. Uh, one and two isn't indicative of their talent, in my opinion. And I think their defense is going to have their way against Desmond Ritter. I don't know. I, I like the Jags because they're going to have the crowd behind them, really, in this one. I think this really game, you know, it's I think it's more up in the air than people might think. But when you're a Jaguars team, you think about how this Jaguars team were last year. What were they, 3-7 and seven at one point last year and then finished the year 9-7 and seven to make the postseason? Yeah. I don't think they want to go through that again. And you can't be one in three going into week five. And right. Trevor Lawrence won't, doesn't want that. Doug Peterson's not going to want that. Calvin Ridley's not going to want that. And so it's, you know, you're going to have to be able to get wins. You know, this was a Jaguars team more favored in that division um, than they were the year before. Um, year last year, and so I think I'm gonna lean towards Jaguars. Although the Jaguars really got to defend that Falcons running game with Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson, um, one A and one B, um, yeah. if they want to get that win. Yeah, no doubt about that. So that should be a good one as we wake up on Sunday morning. Following that at 10 o'clock, two really good games on the slate here. 10 o'clock in the morning, Pacific time. Once again, let's start with this game here. First one is going to be the Dolphins. They're still undefeated, three wins under their belt. They're going to take on the Bills in Buffalo. The Bills right now sitting at 2-1. and one. Once again, that game at 10 o'clock. This, this is going to be a good one here, Brevin. I don't really know what to expect in this game. I'll start off with my pick. I'm going to take the Bills. I think they're going to have the home crowd behind them. Not only that, but I think their defense is good enough to keep up with the skill guys that are down in Miami. 
I don't know if anyone's necessarily able to keep up per se with Tyreek Hill, but I think they have enough talent to con- contain him for the most part, as long as they don't let him in behind them. Don't let him go deep and you'll be okay. Put your safeties up high and let them do the work. We'll see if that ultimately happens, but uh, for this Bills team, I think Josh Allen is due for a pretty solid performance against a top team. I th- I don't know. I just have a feeling it happens this weekend. Revan, what do you think? Yeah, I want to say the Bills. I mean, they allowed three points last week to the Commanders, allowed 10 points two weeks ago to the Raiders. I mean, and you're facing off against a team that put up not 50, not 60, but 70 points against the Broncos that uh, Kyle wants to just forget every single time he thinks about it. Probably getting mad yep. right now as you think about it. Like, Brevin, why are you bringing this up? But, um, you know, if you can, I know um, Jalen Waddle is going to be back for this game. So, um, but like you mentioned, you know, the Dolphins, you know, it's a lot different team that they're going to be going up against, you know, defense. You know, it's a lot better in Buffalo than it is in Denver. So I'm going to take the Bills here. They'll be breaking a lot more tables, I feel like, this week because they'll be more energized among that fan base. So I'm going to take the Bills here. You know, this is a Bills team. I don't think they've, you know, a lot of people are going to say they haven't played their best football. You know, even though they've <laughs> gave up three points, they gave up 10 points two weeks before. But, um, you know, they can easily put a statement out there. Um this week with a win. Absolutely, yeah. We're going to see how that game unfolds, but it'll be a good one regardless. Let's stay in the AFC here. Let's move on to our third feature game of the week. Two one and two teams going at it here in Tennessee. Bengals taking on the Titans. That game also at 10 a.m. Revan, you want to start off with your pick here? Yeah, I'm... Bengals won a gritty, uh, gritty home win on Monday night against the Rams. Um, probably took away a touchdown from Tutu Atwell in that game uh, early. Um, but based on video replay, it took that away. Titans are coming off a bad loss against Cleveland, losing twenty-seven to three. I think I'm going to take the Bengals here. You know, uh, Joe Burrow was a full participant in practice this week. You know, it's kind of been the key to the way. The Bengals have been just the the calf injury to Joe Burrow, but you know with T Higgins with um with Jamar Chase, you know this this is a team the Bengals should you know win. You know I think about both these teams being in the playoffs just two years ago, um when I think that was the game of Joe Burrow was sacked nine times or something like that, and they still won or something like that. Um yeah. in that playoff game, but. I mean, it's hard. I mean, when you've got the the receivers that you've got, it'd be a good running back matchup between uh, Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry. But this should be a game the Bengals take, um, especially with their defense. Yeah, I think you're right, Brevin. I think the Bengals are due for another win here. I think this Titans team is very vulnerable, especially offensively. They haven't been that powerhouse that we've expected them to be. Uh, at least in their ground game, uh, when you think about the talent they have there, Derrick Henry and Ty J Spears, um, you would expect more out of those guys so far this season. Haven't really seen that. And I think that's the reason they've been struggling. The Bengals, they have a pretty good uh, defensive front there. 
not only their defensive line, but I think their linebacker core is pretty solid. You got Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, Manning, that area, really good at stop on the run, those guys. Uh, complete downhill linebackers that you want on your team. So I think the Bengals are going to take this. I think their defense really dominates in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a good selection there. All right, let's get to fantasy football here. Things have not been going well to start off the season for me. That's probably more of an understatement. I lost last week to Daniel Guerrero by 50 points, 154.2 to 106.96. Kyle, on the other hand, he also lost last week, uh, allowing 150 points to Brandon Freed. But luckily, Kyle scored 122 points compared to 106. Yeah, I mean, I ultimately lost to Justin Jefferson and the Bills defense. The Bills defense dropping 31. I mean, there's just absolutely nothing you can do there. Nothing you can do at all. So uh, I I took my L and I accepted it. I mean, fair play to him. I mean, dropping 31 on me. Um, I've had to rethink a lot of things here this week, Brevin, because, you know, this Broncos offense, it hasn't looked half bad, but the defense is so bad that they allow so many points. They don't, they don't even run the ball as much anymore. So Javante Williams, he's kind of a sketchy start for me from now on playing the bears this week might keep him up there, but yeah. Uh, in regards to what's going on right now here, Brevin, um, not a great start for you by any means. I mean, uh, have you ever started, uh, 0-3-4? I don't think so. I think I've maybe gone 0-2 and then getting a win, but I don't think 0-3, but if you're feeling any op- optimism, it's it'll write a better comeback story. Yeah, that's right. I mean, <laughs> that's all the thing <laughs> down to now, right? So, I mean, uh, it doesn't help with uh, Saquon Barkley being injured. Um, Jimmer Gibbs has pretty much been um, hasn't fully taken over that RB1 duties in Detroit. Um, and Trevor Lawrence really hasn't played like he has last year yet. So those are pretty much the key things so far um, to the season. Sat Tyler Lockett when he had 28 points was a difference in that week two loss against Amber. but um, And then lost to Kyle in that close matchup to start off the year based on the hunt return touchdown on Monday Night Football. But, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been things just quite going, not going the way I hope. And hopefully we can turn things around quickly rather than later. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is the week to do it. Revan 0-3, yep. it, you can overcome it. It can be overcome. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But it's a tough road ahead because your next matchup, he is on the opposite spectrum. The 3-0 and Brandon Reed squad, the Obi-Wan Mahomes. They are looking real good right now, sitting at that 3-0 record. Uh, projections don't mean much, but he is projected about 9.5 uh, points more than you, Brad. And I mean, this is uh, going to be a tough one, especially when you consider uh, his starting wide receivers and his quarterback. Yep. Number one overall pick, Brandon Freed, going against the number 10 spot. So just as a opposite sides of the spectrum there, even with our draft, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, Justin Tucker at the kicker's position because that's how Brandon Free likes to play. <laughs> Loves his Justin Tucker. So hoping for a lot of Baltimore touchdowns. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. I uh, can hoping for some Kansas City rushing touchdowns, not by Patrick Mahomes. Right. Um, can just tra- Travis Kelsey just run in a couple of touchdowns? Can we do that too? <laughs> or can Isaiah Pacheco throw some passes to Travis yeah. Kelsey? Trick plays here or there. Yeah, I got any of those. I mean, we saw them go ring around the rosy against the Raiders last year on Christmas yeah. Day or it's whatever possible. it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, Miles Sanders is Brandon's RB2 this week. Brian Robinson gets a start against Philly. Uh, Darren Waller at tight end. Mike Evans, wide receiver two. Um, starting the Chiefs defense this week for Brandon. So, there's ways I can win. There's ways I can more likely lose. So, we'll see how this week goes. Remember, I've got Jameer Gibbs, James Conner as my two starting running backs so far. Still debating about whether or not to put Isaiah Pacheco. Still got another hour before Thursday Night Football kicks off. Um, so, yeah. Mark Andrews at that tight end, so there's possibility there. Yeah, I like that. There you go. Some decisions still yet to be made. That's respectable. I think same for me. Stephon Diggs is locked into that wide receiver one spot. That's not changing. Right. Tyra Lockett staying in that wide receiver two position. Didn't make one change in kicker. Jason Myers is going to get the start over Daniel Carlson. Okay. I mean, I figure with Daniel Carlson being kicker number 31 right now with just 14 points this year. Yeah. Got to make the change there. Yeah, definitely. Daniel Carlson's three game totals five, another five, and a four. Yeah, not great. Not great. And that's partially not his fault because he's made all his kicks. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I can thank Josh McDaniels for deciding to kick the field goal down eight with under three minutes left. Very odd. An extra three points. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I, I like those decisions you made regarding your team. Uh, I myself am facing the Jason Freud, the one and only. And he is one and two. His team laying down the T law. Um, he's starting Jalen Hurts at his quarterback. He's got Rashad White and Raheem Moser at his running back position. So two solid options there. Amon Ross St. Brown and Amari Cooper, his wide receivers with Travis Kelsey at his tight end spot. Always got to worry about him. His flex pretty interesting. He's got Nico Collins filling in there. So. Uh, he's trusted one of the Texans wide receivers as his flex. Dolphins defense and Evan McPherson. So, yeah, pretty solid uh, selections there from Jason so far in his lineup. My lineup looking pretty solid. It's the same as when we started the season, except for my flex position here. We've got Zach Moss filling in as my flex. Looked good last week. Was uh, impressed with his performance, what he was able to do. Uh, really solid performance, putting up 22 fantasy points, 22 and a half, I should say, just a week after putting up 20.7. So he's looking good, 30 touches in that game, 32, I should say, just absolutely astounding. 
he added a score as well. So he's due for another big week, most likely. And he's got a big role in that Colts offense. Jason is coming off, putting up 165 points last week, but only winning by 12. Wow. Yeah, I, I would not be happy uh, if I lost that. I know. That was Andrew Finley with that 12-point loss. Oh, that's 153. Sad. Hate to see it, Finley. Uh-huh. Uh, Finley had Keenan Allen, 45.4 fantasy points. Jason had 45.2 from Raheem Mostert. So, both of those kind of canceled out. Yep, there you go. <laughs> uh, Let's see. I think the big factor for Finley last week was Derrick Henry getting only two fantasy points. Yep. Definitely. I think that was the big... Uh, difference maker but yeah absolutely yep should be another great week of fantasy football here yeah we'll keep you guys updated with our league and we'll tell you how we do uh me seeing a two and one i'm feeling good right now but a win this week would be huge that goes said for brevin but that's an understatement brevin needs a win to get in the win column yeah, we'll let you guys know. Maybe, Paul, maybe call this week an upset, too. Yeah. <laughs> Pull off an upset this week. There you go. I like it. So we'll let you know how we both do next week. Maybe if I win this week, I'll change the, name to, change the team name to Upset City. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, uh, you're a happy underdog, it seems. I know. Uh-huh. And yeah. you can overcome all odds here. Maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Let's move on now to trivia. And our segment today is featuring Brevin as our contestant. We're going to talk some Padres. Uh, Brevin, I'm just going to ask you ultimately your thoughts on the season. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you a few questions here. I just want your genuine and honest answers here on the Padres year. So. Oh, let's do it. Are you, are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Let's start with this. Uh, your team MVP for the season on the Padres, who would that be? Hmm. I think I'm going to go Blake Snell here. Mm-hmm. And the way the starting pitching has been this year has been the difference maker in this team being – Still in the hunt versus completely out of it, like let's say the New York Mets, um, mm-hmm. who was a team that was very comparable to the Padres because of financial purposes heading into this season. The way Blake Snell's pitched, we've talked about him over the last few weeks. Um, you know, the way he's finished to put himself in Cy Young consideration, ERA yeah. 2.33 in his what could be his final start. He could still pitch Sunday if he wants to. Um, uh-huh. or that number in Chicago, but just I mean, Blake Snell's pitched so so much has helped keep that rotation going when you didn't have Yu Darvish or Yu Darvish was not his best. Uh, Joe Musgrove has been injured off and on throughout this year. I mean, everything that Joe Musgrove went through, the kettlebell injury during spring training, giving up eight runs or whatever in Mexico City to just balloon that ERA. Um, he had the shoulder injury in between that during his rehab in El Paso. I mean, it's been so up and down for Joe Musgrove. Then he had the shoulder inflammation with that required rest for pretty much the final five weeks of the season. So 
Blake Smell's pretty much been controlling that starting rotation. And I would say Michael Waka and Seth Lugo are, you know, right behind him. Yeah, absolutely. Names you wouldn't necessarily have expected to put up there before the season started, but I I think absolutely that's a great selection there. All right, let's move on now. Who, in your opinion, has been the best bullpen pitcher in San Diego this this year? That is difficult because I felt like the every single pitcher I felt like has been off and on, good and bad throughout the year. Uh, You know, I'm I mean, it's hard to go against Josh Hader. I mean, 30 saves this year. What's his ERA at? I think his ERA is under like 1 3 or something like that, too. Um, I, yeah, I think I probably lean Josh Hader here. I mean, everyone's complaining because Josh Hader wasn't available for the four out save. Here's the thing the Padres didn't call the bullpen for Josh Hader to come in in a four out save situation. He hasn't done that all season long. I think Josh Hader even posted on Instagram. He replied to a comment saying, "I can't call to the dugout to let me come pitch a game. Come pitch in a game. It doesn't work that way." Yeah. <laughs> Josh Hader ERA this year one point one six. Wow. So I think I'm gonna go Josh Hader here. It's probably yeah. thirty two saves. He's two and three this year. Those two wins coming here in the month of September, just because of. Uh, really, in the last couple of weeks, um, you think about the Xander Bogarts walk-off homer helped um, Josh Hader get the win, and then yesterday with the uh, the extra innings win with Tom Cosgrove getting the save. But Tom Cosgrove is probably a pretty close second too. Right, I like that. I th- I would agree with you on Cosgrove being that second option there. All right, let's move on now. Uh, best position player, in your opinion, Brevin. Best position player? Can I split this between infield and outfield? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, good. Thank you. Because I I can't leave both Kim. I can't debate between Kim and Tatis. Right. So the, that's pretty much the, it's going to be. Hassan Kim in the infield. All of his defensive runs saved. Let me pull that number up. But the way Hassan Kim's been able to play all season long has just been so key. Um. All the defensive run saves that he has. Um, his range this year, it's been a two, but that's only because he's been playing every single position. Uh, his range at second base this year has been seven, which is probably one of the best in the league. Um, yeah. Defensive run save, I can't find it. But I tell you, Hassan Kim's just been really great all season long playing wherever he's been asked to play, whether it's second base, whether it's third base, whether it's short stop, he's probably the lock for the gold glove at the utility position this year, the new position that was announced last year that we saw Tommy Edmond win um, a year ago. And, and you know, now I get to see uh, Tommy Edmond's uh, Team Korea WBC teammate most likely going to win that award this year. But it's been so amazing to see the defense, you know, and, you know, just how consistent he is. Um, in every single position. That's a great option. And then the outfield. Yeah, it's just what Fernando's been able to do. Juan Soto's a close second. I mean, you could yeah. even put Trent Grisham in there. I mean, the two-time Gold Glover as well. But, um, I mean, you see Fernando. I mean, the key thing about Fernando, it's his arm. 
I mean, and then just his athleticism, I mean, the way he's able to run down baseballs into the gap. I mean, the the home run robbery catch that he had on Sunday against the Cardinals. Oh, I mean, it goes on and on with Fernando. And then you think about Soto. Uh-huh. You know, the way he's able to run down balls, the underrated speed for him. Um, Even the plays where he's laying out on sinking line drives, it goes a long way. We saw that, um, you know, against the Pirates um, where dough for ball, momentum and energy is helping him. The next inning hits the home run. That's the game where then on the next pitch, Manny got hit in the back. But it's just the... I think the defense for Juan Soto has been really underrated this year because of his offensive production this year, but definitely a huge step forward in what Juan Soto has been able to do in his first year in left field, as well as Fernando, um, his first year moving from shortstop to right field. Yeah, great options there. And yeah, Juan Soto is so close to Tatis, but I think I would favor Tatis in that regard as well. So good choice there. Uh, I'm going to ask you one more here, Bevan. Who is your choice for best uh, depth player on the Padres this season? Well, that's difficult. It's tough because there's been such much of a lack of production from the bench, it feels like. Wait. I feel like for me, it's probably a player that they got at the deadline. I'm going to go with Garrett Cooper here. I mean, we think about the way the Padres have Pretty much most of the hitting approach, I felt like for me, it's been more pull heavy and trying to, you know, you, you got to be able to pull the ball. You got to be able to pull the ball. I mean, we see that a lot with, I feel like we've seen that more with the younger guys, with players like Matthew Batten and um, Brett Selvin. Yeah. Um, but we've seen that a little less from Luis Campusano uh, when we've seen him go the other way. Um, he got robbed of a homer in the Cardinal series at home by Jordan Walker, but I think to see the way Garrett Cooper approaches his approach at the plate, it's always been big set big part of the field, thinking right center, center. Um, you know, most of I think his most of his home runs before last night's homers been to center or to right center. I mean, I, there's times when I've watched him in batting practice, it's all right center or it's center field. And then he does that so that way then when he does see a pitch that he can pull, that's just easy work for him. And so I'm going to go Garrett Cooper here um, with that pick. I like that, Brevin. Great selections there. So there you have We have trivia for the day featuring the Padres, some of the best players, and Brevin's opinion from the season. Obviously, the season's not done. We're going to see if the Padres can sneak their way in somehow. Need a lot of help and they need to win out, but we'll bring that off to you next week. Um, but yeah, great trivia segment there, Brevin, and great selections there. As we wrap up this episode here of Down the Line, once again, episode number 120. Thank you so much for listening to our show here today. We've gotten to a lot, We've gotten to our latest sports of the week in our fast five, our uh, fair or foul segment as well, three up, three down. Got into the latest in baseball, including the Padres and Angels, all before getting to the second half of the show. We just got into some NFL, our fantasy football recap of week three, our preview of week four as well. 
And as you just heard, we just wrap things up trivia. We'll do it all again next week, right here on Down the Line. So for Brevin Honda, I'm Kyle Betts. Thank you so much again for listening to Down the Line. We will see you next time.